0: Hi, I'm Patrick Paul, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn from Leaders podcast. The background to this show is that Favor customers are some of the most innovative companies in the world: enterprises wanting to be more agile, software as a service companies scaling fast, and game developers and publishers wanting to master live ops. So we get to know some truly inspiring leaders in product development, marketing, operations, sales, executive management. And what we do here is that we interview them about leadership so we can all learn from them. Let's go.
1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. This is the first of 2023, and I got uh, Victor with me. You know, Hey, how's it going? I'm going great. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Uh, a bit jet-like, though. I just got back to Sweden from uh, uh, the other side of the world. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I, I mean, I know we can speak Swedish to each other, but the audience is, 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 is not mainly Swedish speaking. So we're going to keep this in English. Um, but obviously 2022 was quite a turbulent year and everyone seems to be expecting that 2023 is going to be quite a turbulent year as well. Um, and there's a lot of companies going under, uh, company seeking investments. I mean, there's still going to be a lot of exciting new startups coming out up uh, that you know needs angel investment. You know, and you are one of the one of the most interesting angel investors I know. Thank you. So I'm super happy to have you on the
2: podcast. Does that mean that you don't know that many
1: angel investors, or <laughs> am I? Oh, <laughs> I, I know quite a few, to be honest. Um, I, I I would I would say that my statement is it's quite fairly grounded. Anyways. um, before we get into talking about the economy right now and the investor climate and your perspective as an Indian investor, I think it's important that we introduce you um, to the people who don't know you, you know, like your background. I mean basically, what's your story? So well, um, I have a
2: few versions of it, but I'll, I'll do the short one here. Um, as I said, my name is Victor. I'm from the west Coast in Sweden. I grew up in Gothenburg, went to Chalmers University of Technology where I spent uh, three years learning to code, basically, uh, before dropping out and moving to China. Um, by accident, I sort of got into this uh, startup in Beijing we needed an Android developer, and I had done a summer job as an Android developer, so I was the perfect fit, at least in my mind. Um about, like a year and a half there, uh, building the Android team and building the app, um, came back, started freelancing. And after a year and a half, I joined forces with two of my pre- freelance friends and started of the company called Debbie's. Um, we ran that together for four years um, until I got burned out and sold my shares. Uh, to a Norwegian investor. Um, since then, I've been doing a lot of annual investing, but I'm also the CTO at a company called Baby Journey, which is a startup building an app for people expecting children and people with children up to two
1: years. And that's that's awesome, and I mean, you know, I I am I have an awareness of your your portfolio. So you've been quite active as an angel investor. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who says like, oh, you know, I'm an angel investor and sometimes the media even write about them. And, and then when I compare, you know, you know, how many investments they've done and, and you know, who they've done it in, I compare it to someone like you, I'm like, oh, come on, you know, it's like, <laughs> this, is, this isn't what a real angel investor looks like. You know, you, you never know so um, before we get into talking about like today's climate and, and all that, I, I want to just look a little bit like back. back um, and if you, if if you review um, your previous investments, I mean, what's been the, the 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 thread? You know, what's been the 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 principles that you've been operating on? I would say that the first sort of batch of investments um,
2: were. I didn't really have a plan. Let's just put it like that. Um, I found. By accident again. On LinkedIn. People needing investments. That were sort of in my circle. I knew they were good entrepreneurs. And I felt. Hey. Let's put some money here. See where it it ends up. Um, Second batch. were sort of. Then I had an actual idea of what I was looking for, like mobile space. I've been doing mobile for a decade; it made sense, right? Um, and third best—that's what I where I'm in now. Uh, where I'm looking at mobile, but primarily mobile with some sort of B two B components to it. So I'm in Doctor. among others. Like they—they they are sure they have an app, but the business is more than just like bringing users to an app. Uh, more than LTV Cat.
1: That's a great example, by the way. You know, it's like uh, you know, uh, you know, favorite favorite you know customer, and and you're doing something cool uh, in the space which is growing very fast with a lot of people coming into it.
2: Yeah, uh, but I would say I would say that like the common denominator through all of these. I've been investing since 2019, almost four years now, and the common denominator is really the entrepreneur. Like that's my, that's my focus. I'm early stage, so usually the companies I invest in they pivot one or, once or twice, which means that when I look at a pitch deck, it's sort of you can sort of get a feeling of where the company's going, but it usually isn't what it seems at the beginning, right? Uh, but if you don't have really strong entrepreneurs and founders, then you you won't get anywhere
1: that's sort of key for me uh cool so uh, i mean if we take the same perspective and look a little bit forward uh let's say let's say we call this um chapter three um i mean what are your principles now looking looking at companies today so i mean and you know just to give a little bit more context i mean i think this will be very helpful for the whilst listening uh who are you know entrepreneurs you know and, and they're starting a new company and you know what do they need to have for them for it to make sense to contact you?
2: Well, they have to have something in the markets, I would say. I if, if they don't even have an MVP out in the app store, I'm not interested. And that goes back to my point about the founders, because I need to see that the founder or founders are like enough of a hustler to actually produce something, actually get something out of out into the world, even though they don't have any money. Like that is that is absolutely number one. Um, there has to be some traction. Like how you define traction is your next question, uh, and that sort of varies a bit depending on what type of app it is. Um, but you have to see if you look at different parts of the app different parts of the product, you have to be able to see that users who are active, they are spending a lot of time in feature X, Y, and Z, right? You, you have to see that you have something there that the user is actually interested in using. Um, that doesn't mean that all of the app has to be great, uh, even though that helps. But, um, yeah, if you don't have one at least one killer feature, you're sort of doomed to start with. And then, since I like apps where we who sort of have a B two B component, you have to have some some clients or an idea of who your customer is, because the user is not your customer in the case.
1: You know, that's that's good points, and I mean, you kind of gave me my follow up question. I mean, um, I mean, I I personally do a lot of investment in um, uh, you know, game startups, and one of the big challenges. Is that it's very very hard to have metrics, um, and once you have metrics and yeah. they're good, it's typically yeah. too late, yeah. you know, yeah. for sure. So it's it's a it's a tough it's a, it's a tough industry yeah. to invest in. So which means that I need I need to go on other things, you know, to try to triangulate, you know, if, if I think this is something I should do or not. But but how do you think? Um, you know, you were saying it yourself. You know, what would be our distinct metrics? Yeah, so, so let's take an example here. Um,
2: I invested in a company called Shinner, uh, which is a skating app, basically, um, where you you use it to find spots that you can skate, like ramps or uh, edges that you can slide on uh, and things like that, right? Um, they, as far as I know, haven't done any like paid marketing yet. Uh, and when I invested in them, like, one or two years ago. They had spots in I want to say like 1500 cities globally without really launching. So like there was something there something tangible and they had a, a couple of very clear ideas on how to be able to monetize and like gamify this whole experience too. There's like something that proves that uh, the users want what they're building. Uh, Like they have something out there, which means they've obviously launched. They're capable of building something. And there's an idea of um, a business. Um, which like, if you're talk, talking about mobile and idea of a business isn't like always super common, but for me, that's really important.
1: So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to sense a bit of a framework here, you know, for how you think around, uh, how a company is being built. Uh, would you, would you be willing to share? Um, just, just like how, how do you think about a company, you know, from, you know, those like super early investment, super early success you know, to a company that gets into more with a growth stage where um, different kinds of investors than angels would be, you know, totally jumping on this and wanting to get in.
2: Yeah, sure. So so at the stage I'm, I'm investing in, like the main reason why you need money is because you're not making enough of it yourself, right? And you're not making enough of it yourself because you're not really sure what the product you're going to sell actually is. Um, at least that's the case where you're building digital products. So you need sort of capital. you need people who believe in you to um, get time to figure out where you can actually start making real re- revenue. Right? Uh, did that answer your question?
1: Well, well I- answer part of my question. I mean, I mean, to me, that sounds like a very early assessment but I, I I think you have a framework that reaches much farther for you know what what happens what happens next okay I, I'll give you some more more I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a bundle of questions so so like after that uh what happens next uh what is your role in next as an angel investor um and and also what you know, I would love to hear what you think are the typical challenges because, you know, this stage that we're talking about now, uh, I think could be broken down into like, you know, micro stages on the way, right? And and, and there's a couple of you know we're going to gamify this. There's a couple of you know milestones you have to <laughs> you know to to win on the way.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, are you you're talking about program or befits? Is that what you're? asking for yeah I
1: mean that's part of it right
2: yeah so at, at, at the early stages you're like a couple of people handful of people two founders say and you're trying to get something out there uh, you get something you sort of prove that you can get it out there and then you call me and I say hey this looks good there's an idea of where we can take this um, and I put in money uh, that capital means that you can sort of scale out and sort of outsource The stuff that the founder isn't world class at Necessarily uh, Not not completely But you can sort of get a content person You can get a marketer uh, Maybe you can afford one more coder right? Um, I use that to sort of Build out the idea that you have Of how we're going to make money on this and um, start making some revenue. And that's sort of where where traction comes comes into play again. Uh, now we're approaching the seed stage, where you say, "Hey, we have a model. We don't have enough customers. We need more money to sort of grow a bit further and keep keep fine tuning, refining the model." Um, right. So then you raise the seed round. Um, which means you have more capital, you can hire more people, you can offload the key people in the company so they can do even more of what they're actually best at in the company, maybe even best in the world at doing. And you can hire more coders, which means you can build more features, etc. But this this is sort of where it gets tricky and where I sometimes support my or companies, companies as we go from, say, 10 to 25 people. Like, people don't realize how big of a of a step that is. Uh, like, you have to have completely new, like, policies in place. Because, uh, like, everybody don't know the, 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 founding story and, uh, how, 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 how come everybody does this, did this way when we can do it this way? Well. You have to have a policy in place for that, right? And if you're 25 people, you can't be one team anymore. So you need to split up into sub-teams, which means you probably need one or two middle managers as well. And you as a founder, you go from being a manager of individual contributors and like pushing people really hard to deliver on time to all of a sudden have ...having managers reporting to you. Um... ...and that's... ...that's really hard if you haven't done it before. Like, that sort of scale... ...scale-up phase. Um... ...and then once you sort of... ...you've used the seed money, hopefully... ...you're sort of... ...you have, at least on paper... ...a clear path to where you could... ...potentially choose to become... ...profitable, um... Not everybody does that, um, not everybody has a clear path, even though they say they do. Um, uh, but that's sort of where the, um, Series A round comes in, and that's sort of where you go from being startup to a scale more of a scale-up. Um, yeah. But by then, by then you should really have proven your product market fit.
1: You know, I I really like the way you describe this. Um, There's an amazing book called uh, The Leadership Pipeline. And this book is designed for how to work with succession, uh, leadership succession in bigger companies. But, you know, it it, it really applies to the life of an entrepreneur. And, and, you know, making these kind of transitions that you are describing, where you go from being the manager of individual contributors to, to something different. It's it's not an easy one and, and there's a lot of good entrepreneurs that are good entrepreneurs, but they actually can't make that transition that creates an impediment for the company to grow. So 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 I think, you know, you know, thanks for describing this in, 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 in such a straightforward way. I would also like to add, like it's it's really
2: important to think about it from the start. I think like the one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur is to like well, on one hand you have to like I'm I'm a programmer, so I like I think in code, uh, like I have this function with two lines that I need to refactor. Like in the very details of what I'm building. I have to think about that. And I have to think about where are we gonna be in five years. Like have we gotten a sort of a, a good plan to get there? Like do we have the right people in place who can grow and sort of take leadership roles or do we need to hire somebody above them, which is also hard.
1: So, so I heard some investors uh, talk about going from like go-to-market sorry, going from um, you know, like a product-market fit to like go-to-market fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard that expression before? I have not. What, what is that? It resonates very well with what you're hinting at um, uh, which is the whole Um, You know, you 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 reach that stage where the product is actually really liked by people. But in the B two B space, there are several VCs arguing that you know it's not you know it's not like just because you have product market fit, you're suddenly going viral. Um, You know, it's just not that simple. Now you need to now you need to reach go to market fit, which is that you need to really figure out. You know how do you actually sell? Right. Uh, yeah. Because it's not going to just explode overnight and suddenly you know your, you know your 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 Stripe or Facebook. You know it just doesn't work that way, in the B two B space at least. So um, since you since you mentioned that you know you you like the B two B space, I mean what's what's your perspective on transitioning from something that some people like? To something which is highly scalable.
2: I don't think I have a good answer for that, actually, because uh, it's such a hard question. Like, there's if if you're, I'm mostly I'm mostly operated in the consumer space. So I'm not a B two B expert. Well, like there is this one word. So it frightens me a lot, and that's procurement. <laughs> it's
1: It with all of us. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like this arduous process.
1: frightens to me too at favor, which is my day-to-day job. Being on. It's like, procurement is, is a whole extra layer of work you have to do. Yeah. And then
2: it becomes comes like, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the book Megadames. Uh-huh. Have you read that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah where they, they talk about having an insider. Uh, uh, like Trojan horses and it's like politics um it's super freaking hard man uh and that goes into like not only not only sales like having excellent sales people and training your sales staff and bringing a VP of sales at the correct time but it also ties into like pricing strategy and like which features go where uh Do we go open source? That's kind of popular right now. Uh, One of my favorite tools, cal.com, a booking tool. They're completely open source, Um, which is why I use it, which means I introduce it wherever I go. Yeah. It's it's hard, man. I don't have a good answer.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it is, but at the same time, you know, um, especially I think in, in hard times, having some success in the B2B space is attractive because it's also more sticky. Yeah, for sure. Once you're in on your end. And and I mean, you know, I can if I speak from a favor point of view, um, you know, when you have an organization who's doing better as an organization because of well, partly because of, you know, that they're using favor. Um they're not going to be you know wanting to go away from that anytime soon. So, you know, when you go through tough times like now when, you know, tech companies are cutting down on staff and and there's a lot of kind of negative signals in the market, um there's there's also some strength in that. But uh, but I, I don't want to stay too long on that because I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm, I I really want to use the time with you well, and and i really want to pick your brain on how do you think as an Indian investor about making an entirely fresh investment because now we just talked about okay well what happens after that first investment you know the, how does the company grow how does it scale all of that okay that that's a very interesting topic in itself but i really want to go back to the whole well when you're doing a fresh investment in this kind of climate you know is it just the same thinking as before? Is the different thinking? I mean, what goes through the head of an Indian investor right now?
2: Yeah, so like it, for me, it is the same, but the sort of perspective, the time perspective has shifted a bit. Um, and let if I'm to unpack that a bit, like one of my main issues as sort of a smaller angel investor, like I didn't do make a million dollar exit, you know. I don't have infinite money yet um, so liquidity has always been on my mind but now when um, when the climate is as it is like there's no IPO in sight I, I'm, I'm not gonna get any, I'm not gonna see any returns from any investments in my portfolio the next two years probably, I don't think so probably not in the next three years which means I need to be extra mindful about how I allocate my cash. I need to stretch my liquidity over a longer period of time, Um, right? Uh, But I think that's that's kind of okay also, because one of the upsides of being an angel investor versus being a venture capitalist is that I don't have to make investments. If you're a VC, and you raised a fund a year ago, Like your LPs are gonna start like knocking on your door saying, "Hey, what's going on? Like, like, are you gonna start making investments again?" Too. I don't. I don't have to do that. Like, I can just sit on my money forever. And most of the investments I've done made last year has been into my existing portfolio, like support the companies that I already invested in, make sure they don't go under, right? Um. But also, I think like a recession is, I would say, least painful for investors like me who like early stage investments. Because, like, we're if I invest in a company today, I they probably wouldn't have been profitable in three years anyway, right? So, when the market are sort of turns up, they will be more mature and ready to sort of. Ride on that up up wave. Um, so that's sort of three three things that I think about right now.
1: I think that's interesting. I mean, you know, personally, I'm I'm both doing uh, direct angel investments, uh, super early, you know. But I'm also, you know, a limited partner in in seven LP funds, so I also you know, also am one of those with that perspective. <laughs> it's like, hey, come on, guys, you know, make some good deals.
2: Yeah. But I I won't say one one adjustment I made though. Um, so I've been I've been only doing like direct investments past four years. Um, I am in the closing stages of my first SPV right now. Um, so I will have made my fourteenth investment uh, within the coming coming weeks, hopefully. Um, and that is because that allows me to invest less money into this case since I'm sort of ganging up with other investors uh, but I can still make small bets on the companies I believe in um, and my, my philosophy as an angel investor is that I need, I need to make a lot of bets because the ones that go right they go really really right um, so I just need to find them
1: yeah, I mean that actually, um, you know, makes me think about another question, which is that you know, um, you know, when I'm looking at the strategy of uh, the VC funds I'm involved with, uh, they are typically quite transparent about how much they allocate to new investments versus how much they allocate to follow-up investments on, to you know, the investments that seems to be rising stars, and 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 I you know I would say that probably angels should have a somewhat similar thinking because if you if you want to make a lot of money uh, you should have some capital allocated uh to to be able to follow up on the ones that you you actually think are, are following stars is that your thinking too or yeah
2: yeah 100 percent. that goes back to liquidity as well like say say i say i want to invest in four companies this year like probably two of them will be good enough to make follow-on investments I need to budget for that. Um, then again, I know there are angel investors like yeah, Dharmesh, uh, co-founder and CTO of HubSpot. Uh, he's made hundreds of angel investments and he doesn't do follow Um He doesn't even take founder meetings, like he does everything by email and he doesn't speak to his portfolio companies. Uh, I can't do that because I don't have his deal flow. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I like, like he he invests in so many companies that it's it's okay like if you run a VC fund I think you're you're more concerned of building a concentrated portfolio um I haven't really thought about why though maybe it is because the fund has like a fixed life cycle you sort of, you sort of need to have a few really really big winners and then the easiest way to get big winners is to do
1: follow-ons on those but what could an entrepreneur expect from you i mean you know i i know you're a good coder i mean you can be cto or basically any company uh c- c- you know could an entrepreneur uh who is getting you know angel investment from you expect you to actually look at code uh look at code yes uh, write code? No. Well, that's great. That's a great answer. It's very very clear. Uh, I think for everyone who's listening to this, yeah, uh, I think that that gives a very clear answer to you know exactly where does the line goes.
2: Yeah, um, I do help sometimes uh, with uh, recruitments. I helped one of my portfolio companies recruit a, a new CTO, for example. So that's also something I do for my portfolio companies.
1: Yeah, and that's probably very helpful because. Uh, you know, recruitment agencies, yes, but, uh, you know, having a good network with people that knows people, that uh, typically is the winning strategy.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to so recruit CTOs as well. Like we're, we're a special breed. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I I think that's almost a segue to, to another podcast where we're going to talk about, you know, how to recruit a CTO. Because to be honest, one of the big questions I get from a lot of the Indian investments I've done is that they're actually missing a CTO and they're asking me, you know, how, how do we find a great CTO? And I think probably we should have a full conversation on this podcast, um, in a not too distant future where we talk about that, because maybe we could do like, a, a conversation with uh, you and maybe one or two also entrepreneurs who, who are in this process or you just go through this process because it, it, it it's such a big thing you know in these like super early stages of a company for sure yeah that's it you know yeah I mean that's a great idea. well anyways uh Victor super thank- I mean it's always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I'm so happy that we could do it uh, you know publicly this time. Um, I'm I'm sure that our listeners got some good insights from uh, from your experiences you know and and I'm really looking forward to the next time thank you so much this was great fun. All right, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. See you in the next one.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, you know what to do. Share it in your social media so more people can take part and learn. And one more thing, check out Fabro Academy on febro.com for many more learnings. Thanks for tuning in.